Good, up and going. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to just answer it in your mind, okay? <laughs> have you ever been hurt or offended in life? Has someone said something to you or done something to you that has hurt you or offended you? How did you feel when that took place? Angry? Violated? Uh, really ticked off? Ashamed? Uh, full of hate, maybe? Did you feel like forgiving that person for that hurt when it happened? If they were truly sorry, did you then feel like forgiving that person for that hurt or offence that they uh, did to you? Well, this is where Paul's going today in uh, 2 Corinthians as we uh, look at that. So if you've got your Bibles, go to uh, chapter 2 in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to read from uh, just verses 5 uh, through to 11. Starting at verse 5. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that we can gather here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the provision of this building. Thank you, Lord, for the commitment of these people to come out today and to hear your word. And, Lord, right from the outset, I want to say today, we don't want to play church. We do not want to play church this morning, Lord. We want you to speak powerfully through your word and change us. Because when we gather this morning... This is a holy occasion. The living God speaks through his word. So we ask Holy Spirit, come in tremendous power and affect change in our hearts. Help us to be forgiving people. People who are utterly transformed by the gospel. And that we demonstrate that gospel power by a people who forgive. Doing this in the power that you give. Lord, we ask for your help and your presence to be with us today to carry this out. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, Today we look at an issue in the Corinthian church that is really as old as history itself. Uh, From since the fall of humanity, away from God's good rule in their life, we've been dealing with hurts and offences. They just happen. Ever since we've walked away from God, hurts and offences have been there. This is what sin does. Uh, When we sin against God and against each other, we cause hurt and we cause offence. And out of all those hurts and offences come either unforgiveness or forgiveness. And this has been going on for thousands of years, millennia. 
Uh, there's an issue here in the uh, church at Corinth that has caused some sort of hurt. Now, we don't know exactly what that hurt or offence is. As we've said, there's up to four letters gone between the Corinthians and Paul. But something here has taken place. There's a hurt or there's an offence. And so today, as we think of these challenges here of hurts and offence in Corinth, we want to explore what biblical forgiveness looks like. And we want the Holy Spirit to show us the path of joy and peace as we actively pursue forgiveness as a decision of our hearts and minds in living out the gospel. Firstly, though, unforgiveness. Let's recognise that something has taken place here at Corinth. As I said, we don't know what it is, but it's caused pain. Look in verse 5 there, it says, Now, if anyone has caused pain, Paul's remarking that, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. Someone has offended Paul here at Corinth. Maybe they've said something, maybe they've done something, and it's caused offence to Paul. But let's note here what Paul's saying. Yes, there is pain that is associated uh, with offence. And when we offend people, that's exactly what happens. can be physical pain, can be emotional pain, can be mental pain in our lives when hurts or offences occur and they take place. When something untrue or nasty is said about somebody, it causes a feeling of hurt or pain on the inside. When, some, when you tell someone who's just expressed their opinion to you on a particular issue, well, so what? Just go tell somebody who cares. Well, when the person hears that, they're hurt. They're offended. They feel something and it's not a good feeling. Or it can get worse. Some people can be quite direct with their uh, attacks on other people. They can be physically assaulted or they can be sexually abused as well. And there's tremendous trauma and pain associated with those hurts and offences. That's what happens when we live outside of God's good order in our lives. These things take place and they cause lots of difficulty. But what Paul is dealing with here is what is happening after the event has taken place. For whatever has taken place is an indication that the offender is remorseful and is repented. Look in verse 6 and 7. For such a one, we're talking about the, the offender here, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgiven company or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Now, it's quite possible as we try and think about this situation at Corinth that he was initially approached about his sinful actions and he refused to uh, undertake any disciplinary action at that particular time. So Paul there has possibly asked him to leave the church because he's having a negative impact or negative effect upon the church at this particular time. So to stop that, Paul said, hey, you need to be put out of the church because you are carrying on with this behaviour without repentance and without changing your heart or mind. But as we see there in this passage, this punishment is enough. And now we should forgive him. In other words, this guy, whoever it is, is sorry and repentant. So it's after the event. Now, if we were to stay in unforgiveness, if that church at Corinth was to stay there when someone is showing genuine remorse, we are now moving into the territory of sinful living if we withhold that forgiveness when it's duly now meant to be there. Unforgiveness is a terrible place to be in. It's a terrible place to be in. If you live in unforgiveness, you'll experience things like bitterness, resentfulness, anger, isolation, hatred. These things will bubble away in your heart if you don't forgive. 
You'll see everything about that particular person who may have offended you, who might be remorseful and is looking for forgiveness. You'll see everything about that person now from a dark perspective. Anything they do will be appear negative to you. You can't see them in any right light because you're hanging on to this unforgiveness. I reckon a classic case for this, I'm not sure if anybody watches Current Affair here, I'm sure some of you do watch that. Sometimes you'll see those situations on, uh, on some of the stories they do there and a hurt or offence has happened and sometimes it's pretty major, but you'll see the way the offended party responds in that situation. It'll be things like this, I've got nothing to say to him. I'll never forgive him no matter what happens. I hope he rots in hell. They are typical responses you'll see on a current affair sometimes from these people. Not sure the other party has been remorseful, but you can see the unforgiveness within them. And what you see there is this, like an outpouring of bitterness and an outpouring of anger. And if, if they live that way, it will eat them up for weeks and months and years to come. Now, for the victims of, or the offended, if they don't deal with that forgiveness, it will just sit there and sit there and sit there for decades. But for the offender or the perpetrator, if he or she is truly sorry and repentant and if unforgiveness is all that they receive, Paul tells us here what they're going to go through. He says there in verse 7, they can be unnecessarily crushed by this unforgiveness. Look there. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. You see, if we hold out on forgiveness when it's due and it's truly warranted, this is what happens. We are crushing them with excessive sorrow. They're remorseful, they're repentant, but we're not, we're not going to forgive. We're actually crushing them. It's, it's like in a way, maybe we think, well, that's maybe how I can settle the score with them. For all the hurt they've done to me, I'll just hold out on forgiveness and I'll just make them really squirm. I'll drive them into the ground with guilt and condemnation. I just won't give that forgiveness. Excessive sorrow, Paul says there. You see, unforgiveness is acknowledging the debt of hurt has taken place. No one's going to not acknowledge that. We're acknowledging the debt of hurt has taken place, but we're unwilling to let that debt go. We just want to hold on to it. See, the sorry person can't repay the debt. The person who's caused the hurt, they can't undo what's happened. It's a debt that sits there uh, for their actions. And when we don't forgive those who are sorry, we inflict this excessive sorrow upon them and we crush them. Unforgiveness is everywhere in our world. It's everywhere. I don't know how many conversations I've been to where I've been to a wedding or a social occasion somewhere and you hear of hurts when you begin to ask about family and family members and and you discover this. They haven't talked to each other for years, a brother and a sister or a mother and a daughter, or a brother and a, uh, and a father. And the conversation goes like this, yeah, I've got a brother, but I haven't spoken to him in years. We just don't get on. Ah, oh, why's that? Well, something happened years ago, and we just never talked since. Just never talked again. A word is said, or an action is taken that offends somebody. 
It's not dealt with at the time. It's not sort of spoken about. Maybe it couldn't be, but maybe it could have. And when it's not spoken about and dealt with, little bit by little bit, this offence grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And before you know it, you've got the Great Wall of China separating you. And you're on opposite sides of this wall and nobody's talking to each other. This goes on for decades. Decades. It's amazing. I, I, I hear these stories and I come away just devastated when I hear that. You're not talking to your father or your mother? And this has been like 25 years? It saddens me deeply when I hear about these things. It's amazing how unforgiveness just brings such division into our lives. And it's such a crushing thing. Paul, though, here in Corinth, is urging the church to forgive the guilty party here. Look in verses 7 and 8 what he says. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Forgive this guy. He's repentant. He's remorseful. Paul is asking the church here at Corinth, he's saying, make an active choice to now forgive him and bring comfort for him through his grief and his sorrow. Make an active choice. Carry this out. Paul's asking the church here to do this in forgiving the offender. Paul is saying, cancel the debt of hurt he has caused you. Release the debt of offence he has caused and release it unconditionally. Let it go. What? What about all that hurt he's caused? What about all that pain? Just let it go, Paul. Yes, says Paul. Let it go. It's massive, isn't it, when you think about it? Just let it go. See, that word there, forgive, that's what it means in that verse. It means to actually release the debt. Perhaps a bit of a picture of that. I mean, maybe some have or haven't experienced this, but when a bank forgives you of the debt, they actually release that debt. That debt is cancelled when you're forgiven by a bank debt. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying you need to cancel that debt, release that debt, forgive that person and no longer hold that debt against them. Treat them like that debt does not even exist. That's the forgiveness that Paul is saying here when he says, now turn and forgive him. Don't bring it out again when you're having a bad day and you want to inflict pain upon that somebody. He says, release that debt so it never, ever comes back again. You might say, well, how do I forgive them? Because I'm going to need some serious help in this forgiveness. Because some hurts, a lot of hurts, go really, really deep. Well, let's trace out somewhat how gospel forgiveness looks in real terms as we think about that today. Let's say the offence has occurred, whatever it might be, and the offender now comes back to the offended and they offer a very sincere, remorseful apology and is absolutely repentant, as best they possibly can be in that situation. First thing, to some extent, when that happens, we need to be really careful that we accept the apology. As it comes. Sometimes that's really difficult though. 
Because sometimes we can be so angry from the hurt that we'll never think that the offender is sorry enough. Because I've been so hurt, that person can never be sorry enough that I'll give them that forgiveness. Sometimes we've actually got to do our best to take it on face value and to see that they are as remorseful as they can be. That'll be hard because we'll think, no, I don't think they're sorry enough at this stage. We need to be careful to accept that. Sometimes, though, some offences will also require some form of discipline in that situation, depending on what's taken place and the nature of the offence. If it's a criminal offence, it needs to be reported to civil authorities immediately. The church has struggled with that big time over the last probably 40, 50 years, and we've all seen for the uh, Royal Commission to Child Sex Abuse, where churches have actually covered things up, or religious organisations have covered things up. That should never have happened. Should never have happened. If it's a criminal offence, it needs to be reported to the right authorities immediately. Immediately. Other offences, though, that aren't a criminal offence can be rectified or reconciled between the two parties. Even then, though, I think it would be helpful sometimes to bring a third party to be involved to help navigate through those tricky issues. Because emotions are high, tensions can be high as well. There's a lot happening in our minds when we're going through that sort of reconciliation. A third party person is really, really perhaps important there to uh, help navigate through the complexities of reconciliation. Anyway, let's stop and think about this as this is perhaps happening. You've got a third party involved, they've come together. But what if the offender there says, I don't want to forgive? I don't want to forgive. What do we do then? And people will struggle with this. The hurt you've caused is too big. I can't get over it. I don't feel like forgiving you. I'm so filled with pain. You don't deserve my forgiveness from all that you've done to me. Which are real thoughts that go through our minds, perhaps as we may be approaching a situation like that. At this point, I'm not going to deny that there isn't deep pain and trauma involved in these hurts. There really, really is. There is powerful emotions working here when we've been hurt and we've been offended. And those emotions can either be, I just want to get even and settle the score sort of mode. can be perhaps an angry type reaction can come out of that. Or the other situation could be a self-defence mode. I'm just not going to expose myself to any more hurt. I just want to just totally run away from the whole situation. I don't want to deal with it. It can be real pain there, absolutely. But we've got to see that there is no situation, there's no hurt, there's no offence, there's no circumstance that is so big or strong that we have a right to say, I won't forgive. There is nothing too big or too hurtful that we can say or have a right to say, I won't forgive. There's multiple, multiple teachings in the Bible that warn us about not forgiving. Here's one out of Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a really big passage of scripture there. I would say Jesus is dropping a very large bomb when he says that. He's talking about eternity. 
He says, if you won't forgive others their hurts towards you, Jesus says, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. That's meant to stop us in our tracks when Jesus says that. That's meant to pull us up. And think about it again. If we don't forgive people their sin against us, then neither will God forgive us for our sins against him. God's not saying there, hey, if the sin is only this size, then you can forgive them. But if it's a bit bigger, well, then you don't have to forgive them. That's not what God is saying there. There's no such thing as I can't forgive or I won't forgive. God doesn't leave us powerless, though, in this forgiveness either. Because in some cases, or in most cases probably, it will take enormous power to forgive because the hurt that is caused is huge. God calls us to forgive and he also gives us the power to forgive as well. Look at these two verses here in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, the first one. Paul says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The foundation of any forgiveness is the gospel. That's the very foundation where we build our forgiveness forgiveness off for other people. So Paul says there in both those verses, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you and as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. To forgive others, we've got to reflect on how has God forgiven us? What has he done in forgiving us? That becomes the foundation for the power that helps us to take that forgiveness to other people for whatever hurt they may have caused us. Now, we saw in that earlier reading there, we saw there a picture of the, uh, of the enormity of our sin that we have caused against God in that parable that Roger read for us early. In, in uh, Matthew uh, 18, 24, uh, we have there the king who's got this 10,000 talent debt uh, with his servant. Now, that 10,000 talent debt is equivalent to 20 years of wages. It's a big debt. 20 years of your wages to pay the debt off. And the servant owes that to the king. The servant begs for forgiveness and asks the king out of pity, can you please forgive him? And the king forgives him. And the same servant goes out. The forgiven servant goes out in verse 28, Matthew 18, verse 28, and he finds a fellow servant who owes him 100 denarii. The equivalent of 100 denarii is one day's wage. So 20 years of wages, one day's wage. And he puts his fellow servant into prison until he pays that whole debt and doesn't forgive him. Just uh, throw that next picture up, um, Hayden. So get this picture of the debt here. The debt against the king in today's terms is about a million and forty thousand dollars. And the debt against his fellow servants about two hundred dollars. Insignificant in comparison. What we've got to see is that our debt of sin to God is like the servant's debt to the king. 
It's massive. It's huge. It's infinite. That's what we owe God. It's a debt that we could never pay. Just like the servant could never pay it back to the king. Impossible. Often, very often, the debt of sin we owe God is something we are blind to. We don't see what we owe God. We don't see how poor we are before him. And when we don't see that, we don't see how great the forgiveness is that he has given to us. We owe God this unbelievable, infinite amount of debt. But God forgives us unconditionally. God forgives us through Jesus Christ by him paying our debt on the cross for us in dying in our place. He makes that debt and pays it in full. We get another picture of this debt of sin that we owe God in Colossians. We're told there about this debt being cancelled. That picture there again is this aspect that God erases our debt. He actually removes the debt from us. Again, this is a picture of the forgiveness that God gives to us. Not only is it massive, huge and infinite, he actually just erases that debt. It no longer sits against us. He cancels that debt. God sees us in Christ as though we have never sinned. There is no debt. So the point is this, as we think about this parable, think about Colossians. To to forgive others as we should and we must, we need to focus on the forgiveness that God has first shown us. We need to see that we are unworthy and undeserving on this forgiveness, but God forgives us. God doesn't hold it against us. He sees us as perfect in Christ. So what we have to see is that forgiveness through the love by Christ shown to us, then we can take that forgiveness by the power that Christ puts in us through the message of the gospel and we can go and forgive others no matter what they have done to us. Irregardless, Jesus empowers us to forgive others. You may be here for the first time at Exchange. You may never have heard this before about this unconditional forgiveness. We are glad you're here today. We are glad that you've come to be with us here at Exchange. We love to see new people come here to tell them about Jesus Christ because this is the most glorious thing about him, that he takes our sins away and he forgives us. We would love to show you more about Jesus. But you might still sit here after all that and say... I can't forgive this person. I don't want to forgive this person. You might still be saying that. Two things I would say to you at this point then, if that was the case. Firstly, maybe in the rawness of this wound, in the heat of the moment, you're maybe not able to forgive. I can get that to some extent. Because when it's really raw and when it's really in the heat of the moment, it's very, very difficult. I can get that. I would say this, give it some time for things to just settle a bit, to let the heat come out of it, and then you'll be able to forgive. Time doesn't produce forgiveness, but time may create a space for forgiveness to take place. In the heat of the moment, you may just have to just settle and just wait a few days, a few weeks maybe. And then you can come back and then you can forgive. I would say just let that heat pass over. 
Secondly, if you came to me and still said, look, I can't forgive and I don't want to forgive that person for what they've done to me, then I would say this to you very lovingly and very carefully. You haven't let the gospel go truly deep into your heart. If you say to me, I don't want to forgive and I can't forgive, I would say lovingly and carefully, you're letting Jesus just sit very shallowly in your life. You're not allowing Jesus to go deep into heart transformation and to transform your lives. You haven't fully got the gospel yet if you can't forgive and you don't want to forgive. Maybe you've walked up to the ocean of the gospel and you just dipped your toe in the water and got a bit of a taste. If that's all you've got, you won't be able to forgive because you haven't fully immersed yourself in the gospel and know what the love of Christ is in forgiving you of your debt and the power that that gives. When you do do that, then you will be able to forgive those others. Just maybe, just maybe you haven't seen the the full picture of the gospel at this stage. How does this forgiveness work then? You or I must make an active choice to forgive. It's got to be an active choice. We don't wait to feel like we want to forgive. Feelings are very fickle and probably your feelings will be immersed in hurt and pain. You probably never feel like you want to forgive. We have to make an active choice. I will forgive regardless of how I feel in that moment. To help empower that forgiveness, I would recommend take some time to read through the gospel narratives, particularly the forgiveness parables that Jesus teaches. Take time to slowly read through those and allow the Spirit to work within you, within your heart, love to forgive those who've offended you. Here's something else that will help you in this particular time. Take some genuine time to pray for the person who's offended you. Pray for them. Pray that God would draw that offender close to themselves. Pray that God would grow that offender deep in the gospel. And I'll guarantee you, if you pray that genuinely, the Holy Spirit will change your heart remarkably within and actually cause you to have a love for that person who has offended you. It will work if you put that into action. What do I expect if I'm willing to forgive the offender? What will the relationship be like? Will it be the same again? No, it probably won't be. Hurts and offences usually leave definite scars in our lives. That's part of the broken world that we live in. Things will heal, but they'll scar. Probably a relationship may never get back to the same point. We should try and work to make it as best we possibly can. But I don't think it'll ever be back to the same level where it was prior to that hurt or offence being taken place. So don't be shocked if it can't get back there. Gospel forgiveness is critically, critically important. Firstly, when we don't forgive, Satan has a field day with us. Look in verse 11 there as we, as we uh, round out this chapter. chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he says there, So that we should not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Uh, when we live in unforgiveness and withhold it back, we're actually uh, living life according to Satan's horrible, hurtful tune at that particular time. 
His designs are being worked out through our lives. And what he's doing there through unforgiveness, he's crushing our joy and he's dividing our relationships. That's what Satan does there. He wants to steal, kill and destroy, to divide and to crush us. In unforgiveness, we leave ourselves wide open, wide open to Satan's schemes. Gospel forgiveness is 